This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat is one of my favorite guys. It's Guy Rosenthal, Chief Product Officer at Sangfor Technologies. Guy's company is amazing. Sangfor has more than 100,000 customers worldwide. They're in their 24th year of business. They have over 9,500 employees, more than 60 branches, more than 2,200 patents applied for. We're going to have a great conversation from XDDR, Managed Services, the branch office, all the way to what do we do about AI? And maybe we should start with that guy. What, what's going on with AI today? Wow. First of all, I'm surprised our company was so big. Thank you for telling me. I didn't know that. See, I learned something new today, too. Um, AI, let, let's talk about AI. So the big thing about AI is it's going to be the big buzzword this year. It was big last year. It's going to be bigger this, bigger this year. And the big thing I'm concerned about is every time a new buzzword shows up, people who don't understand the technology think it's the magic bullet. It's going to solve all my problems. It's going to be great. But it's not. It, like anything else, is a tool that's used in my arsenal to help build better cybersecurity or to help build better business operations. I have to understand its limitations. I have to understand what it can and can't do. So thinking that if I incorporate AI in my stuff and start using chatbots to be able to fill in uh, the gaps in my, my uh, resources where I don't have enough security personnel to be able to provide expertise, yes, it'll do that. But again, it has limits and you need to understand what those limits are and you need to understand some points in time that it may not be the solution you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen a couple areas of AI going going bad. One is people have actually uploaded source code to ChatGPT and said, can you improve this malware for me? Make it polymorphic, make it harder to detect. And along comes an answer from ChatGPT, and now you've got a new and improved malware for cyber criminals who might not even be great at writing code. They just hit compile and it works. So that's pretty dangerous and scary. I've heard about employees uploading spreadsheets and other personally identifiable records, PII, saying, hey, uh, I need to change the axis on the rows and columns. Can you fix this? Little do they know it's going into a data lake somewhere. Is that hackable guy? Can someone steal the data lake? Could, you know, where where does that go? What's the what's the privacy policy of ChatGPT or Google Bard or any of these folks? Well, let, let, let's go back to your, the first part that you brought up. So AI is good for the good guys. AI is really good for the bad guys because the bad guys understand how to use ChatGPT better. And like you said, they're taking using it to write better malware. And they're embedding AI, using AI, they're embedding AI into malware. So it now becomes more aware and smarter and can do better things. So you're going to see, you see malware payloads now that go out and it understands the environment that it's in, which means it's looking for the organization, it's looking for specific operating systems, it will actually go to sleep for a while and then say, I'll turn back on and see what's changed. I can disable security software on the system I'm running on and go to sleep for a couple of days and see if anybody notices. And if they notice, turn it back on, I'll go to sleep again. If they don't notice it's turned off, then I can do other bad things. So, you know, the bad guys are exploiting AI to do more sophisticated things going forward, which, which is really, really difficult for us to understand it's difficult for us to protect against. Going the other way, as you said, a lot of people are using these technologies to improve how they think they do work or to circumvent a lot of things they want to go do. 
the big thing about ChatGPT is ChatGPT has no ability to change anything directly in your environment. All it is is a Google search engine or a Yahoo search engine on super steroids, right? So it can go out and it can find data more quickly. It can correlate the data more quickly and 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 be more specific to the kind of things that you're looking for, which is that's why it's called natural language processing. So if you tell it to write better malware and go out and find out all the malware that's out there and find a more efficient way of writing it, okay? Because it can actually do its own code verification. But if you go in there and say, help me hack into my, my Active Directory server and turn stuff off, ChatGPT can't do that because it has no ability to access anything and, and, and impact it directly, right? But as you said, it can be used to access all the data in your environment to answer a lot of questions that have to do with work. And potentially, depending on the access that the chat the chatbots have in your environment, it can do a lot of damage from a data leakage perspective because it can pull data out that you were not expecting. It can correlate information together that you weren't expecting. And then that information can be made available to you and if anybody else can get access to that bot, it can be made available to anybody else that makes those questions too, if they're outside your organization. So again, from a privacy perspective, that becomes a huge issue. And privacy officers need to sit down and look at these bots that they've deployed in their organization, find out the data lakes that they do have access to, limit what they have access to, to what is necessary for that bot's function, and then ensure that they query it regularly to find out what kind of things is it pulling out to make sure that that data doesn't get set outside the organization uh, in, in a data leakage uh, type scenario? Yeah, is that something I would use a saying for SEAM or firewall or you know DLP? What what kind of offering does Sangfor have that might help me on my journey to maybe still use AI but have some more controls around the data leakage risk and uh, other employee risks uh, of the improper usage? Well, that's a very good question, Gary. Um, so Sangfor has a lot of artificial intelligence built into our security products and our infrastructure cloud products. The thing is, you can't use a general purpose bot to answer all security questions that are out there and be able to solve our problems. So what we do is we have very specific purpose-built models looking for specific kinds of behavior and that's all they do. They, they look for one kind of behavior each, and they're very good at doing that. So for example, from a chatbot perspective, we could be monitoring database access. We could be monitoring document access, and we could be tracking what documents are being touched um, and, and, and what databases are being accessed and what data is being pulled from those, and then being able to provide you, hey, this looks suspicious. This could potentially be a DLP issue, right? In which case then we have some products such as our internet access gateway, which can be used to prevent data from being pulled out because it'll scan uh, uh, the data as it's being moved from point A to point B. That's great. Do you do anything for, you know, there've been a lot of attacks uh, in the browser with Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, with, with hyperlinks that employees click and next thing you know, their computer's infected or you know they, they're browsing the web and they of course uh, they'll get an email and it'll it'll look good phishing attacks or web browsing I've seen a lot of drive-by URLs lately and phishing attacks that seem to get past most traditional defenses. That is a big problem and and, and phishing is is a a art form and a a 
product area all in itself. You know, you have a lot of mail gateways that do a lot of stuff. Um, you have a lot of things that are checking links, they're checking emails and such. But even the, even then, nothing is 100% secure at that point. So what you need to do is you need something that has to be able to check what is the action when the link is clicked on. So for example, let's say I have a phishing email that does come and it, it, it got past my mail gateway, right? Now the user is going to click on something. At that point, we have coming up our new version of Endpoint Secure that will go and analyze what happens when you click on the link. What is being downloaded? Where are you going to go? And based upon that, it can block where you go. It can prevent what's being downloaded or it can scan what's being downloaded, look and see if it is malicious and then be able to block it from, um, from being accessed once it gets downloaded. That's great. And Sangfor is always up to date on the latest threats, even zero day threats, I believe. Yes, we do. You know, we have, you said we have 100,000 customers around the world. Um, we pull data from all our products um, so that we're getting feedback in terms of the threats that they see, the malware that they see. It goes back into our cloud-based uh, NeuralX threat intelligence service. Uh, we tie in with a whole bunch of other services, such as uh, VirusTotal, looking for things that, that come through. And, and and the big thing is, you know, when we see something we haven't seen before, we can quickly scan and analyze it using our artificial intelligence-based uh, Engine Zero malware detection engine, because it has a whole bunch of behavior models looking for specific, specific kind of things. One of the things I think is the coolest is it does DNA fingerprinting. So if you look at most malware that's out there, it is a variation of some other family. There's no really brand new, unique malware that's come out in the last four or five years, right? It's a variation of some existing family. So if you actually scan the code and the behavior of the malware, you can pretty much figure out what malware family does it belong to and what its characteristics are. And once I've done that, it helps me then be able to detect and understand what this potential zero-day malware actually will be able to do. So let's say it might be part of a, a lockbit, and it's based on lockbit, but the actual payload may do something else other than uh, ransomware. Instead of doing ransomware, it may actually be doing better exfiltrating sensitive data out of an organization, right? But the payloads that people are expecting are not expecting it to do, they're expecting to do the ransomware. But we know it's locked there. We know it's from a ransomware family. So we can treat it in a certain way that says, okay, we know it needs to be handled and, and, and mitigated this way. At the same time, we can then study its behavior and say, well, you know, unlike regular lockpick, it starts to do this other kinds of stuff, which means it's different than what we know. That's zero day. We can, we can then uh, hash that, sign that, put that signature up um, to all our customers and, and you to all our, our partners and say, hey, here's a new version of something based on Lockbit that is doing some really bad stuff. Yeah, do, so, you have, do you have your own attack knowledge framework or do you tie in with MITRE's attack framework? Just curious on, on understanding how these threats operate. Oh, we, we tie into MITRE framework. All our products are, are based up on that. Um, MITRE did a great job of building the attack framework. It, and it's open source and it has a huge community. So there's a lot of work that's updating it and evolving it. There's not, we couldn't build anything as good as that, the way that's done that because the community support for that is, is just so massive. It's global. So you're getting input from all around the world, different regions, 
uh, different languages. So it's learning a lot more than we could ever handle. So we believe strongly in the MITRE ATT&CK framework. Speaking of the ATT&CK framework, we're starting to get worried about a new kind of villain, a super cybersecurity villain. What, what, what's going on with the villains in cyber? Okay, so I, I we we've, everybody's doing their cybersecurity predictions for 2024. You know, because they all think they're Nostradamus and they can they are going to predict the future. And and the funny thing is, everybody is predicting pretty much the same stuff. You know, oh, we got uh, vulnerability is still going to be there, patching is still going to be bad, lack of resources, and and AI is going to be around and all that kind of stuff. So you see pretty much the same kind of stuff, but I try to find something different and unique every so often in, in what I want to think it may be coming up. And one of the things that concerns me is there is a new breed of young disenfranchised teenagers, right, who grew up on the Internet, who grew up with Google, who grew up with a lot of shows that glamorize hacking, and they've gotten really, really good with this. And you're seeing these young kids that are becoming basically crack hackers that can do some really cool stuff. One is a guy named Ariane Kritaj, um from the UK. This is a guy who was part of a underage hacking group called Lapsus. And they basically did a whole bunch of stuff that, that is attacking government agencies and companies and all, all around the world. So thing about Kurtage was he was arrested uh, underage and they can only keep and do so much stuff with him and they released him and the first thing he does when he gets released is he hacks nvidia and basically pulls a whole bunch of nvidia data out and ransoms it back to them okay that's huge he gets caught he's now over 18 he becomes very, very popular and he becomes ostracized by other hackers who are trying to get him. So basically he got doxxed uh, and his family got doxxed because they published his family's information online. So but what the authorities did was they took him out of, of prison because it was dangerous for them and they put him in a hotel under, under guard. And what he did sitting in a hotel using his cell phone, a fire stick, Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, and the hotel room TV is he hacked Rockstar Games and stole video and data about the new version of Grand Theft Auto 6 and published it on the internet. Okay. On and, and and the thing about this guy is I shouldn't be I shouldn't be giving more notoriety, but the thing was during his trial, it was determined that he was not going to reform. Basically, uh, for a bunch of, of mental health issues, this guy says, I'm going to hack, and I'm going to keep hacking, and you can't stop. So he's going to be locked away for a very, very long time until, until that changes. But, but the point being is, he is one of a large number of young teenagers that are getting into this. You know, go back 10 years, go back 15 years. There were young people that sat around and, and, and learned how to take apart computers and software and do stuff. There were kids that learned how to take apart video games and, and do stuff. This is the next This is the next thing you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of kids that nothing to do, too much time on their hands, don't necessarily have a good outlook on life. And basically, hacking is going to be their outlet, and they're going to be very, very good about it. And I think we're going to see some super, super attacks coming in this, this next year. 
Wow. So Guy Rosefeld's prediction is we have super attacks from super cyber hackers that are probably in their teens, kind of like young Kevin Mitnick's, although what you're saying is many of them will live by the hacker manifesto or die by it. They're, they're not going to get reformed like Kevin did. And for those that might be watching our video, you know, Kevin Mitnick, rest his soul. He passed away recently. Wonderful guy, uh, well-reformed, helped a lot of companies stop phishing attacks and breaches. And, you know, he learned his lesson in jail. He learned his lesson. Uh, and you, he made a lot of money, by the way. I think his company made him uh, worth a half a billion dollars or more many, many years later, recently. So uh, crime shouldn't pay. Uh, and uh, but what you're saying, Guy, is be warned, be forewarned. Uh, there's going to be a lot of super smart kids able to hack out of out of hotel rooms with TVs and and fire sticks and their cell phones. That's amazing, uh, amazing information. And it's better we're prepared for that. How do we prepare for that, Guy? Yeah, we 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 have a lot of issues in in the United States with with young people and, and gun violence. And I think those are the same kind of people that are going to be predisposed to a lot of hacking kind of things. And what we need to be able to do is we need to have people watching out and, and being better to identify the red flags of potential antisocial behavior and be able to see what those things are going to be. You know, everybody loves their kid. My kid can do no wrong. He, you know, he's the greatest kid in the world. He would never be a hacker, right? You have to face reality and think my kid spends all his time down in the basement. He has no friends. He's, you know, he's buying more computer gear out there, you know, go through his browser history, look at the kind of stuff that he's doing that, uh, down there. And stuff you definitely don't understand. It's something you should ask somebody about and say, could this potentially be, be, be bad stuff coming down the line? Could this guy be writing the next super worm that's going to take down the internet? Maybe we can put out some information too, for kids with these challenges that, uh, if they they use these skills for good and to defend networks, they, they can make a great salary. We have hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity job openings where we need this kind of talent. We need this this genius and this uh, know-how of you know wanting to break into things. Uh, you know, the best locksmith to put new bolts and locks in your house is probably also knows how to pick locks really well. Yeah, if we could take these kids and we could channel them into programs to show them there are better ways of doing this stuff and using their powers for good, that'd be great. You know, and, and I don't think we have enough of those that are out there. I know some places, I, I know that SANS has done it. I, I know that B-Sides has done that. They've started um, uh, programs for kids, uh, young people to get in there, to be able to understand uh, how to hack and what it means and, and the ethics behind it. If we had more of those things to get kids into, if we had more of the programs in school, I think that would, that would probably help a lot. But at the same time, you know, there's always going to be kids that are always going to be on the wrong side because they want to take the easy way, right? Or they're pissed off at something. And 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 those are the ones you really have to worry about. And those are the hardest ones to find until it's too late. Well, Guy, that's a serious prediction, and I really appreciate it for our viewers and listeners. It's it's a personal issue when we have kids, teenagers, and like you say, they may be in the basement not playing video games, but hacking into video game manufacturers, and that's important to know and catch them while they're young and help teach them the morals and ethics and the values and direct them towards cybersecurity professional jobs where they can use those skills for good. Guy, it's always great to interview you. I love catching up with you. One last thing, uh, and if you want to share anything that Sankford is doing, are, are you guys doing a road show? To tell me where are you going to be this year? Okay, so 
We do road shows uh, in the spring for our, our customers. So we'll go out in different countries. I think right now we're doing Malaysia, Indonesia, Philippines, uh, Vietnam, Singapore, Italy, uh, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, and I think four or five other countries right now. In fact, we just opened a brand new office in Colombia and Mexico. Uh, so we might be doing some things down that way too. I'm not sure yet. But the whole idea for our road shows is if you don't know who Sangfor is, it gives you a, a, a day to come down, get a free lunch, and you hear us talk about our products or solutions, and you have a chance to actually play with them live and be able to see them and demonstrate it and be able to touch them and feel them and see if they are as we promise them. And you guys can take a look at them and you know we can help you figure out strategies on how to deploy them, integrate them in into your current security or cloud infrastructures. Can't wait for the day Sangfor is selling its technology in the USA. Uh, are you selling in Canada? No, not just yet. We, we're we thinking about moving into North America probably in the next couple of years, but we've got so much stuff happening right now in, in Asia. And we just moved into the Middle East and, and, and Europe, like I said. And Middle East has become a huge market for us just in the last year. Uh, the Italian market has become a huge market for us last year. We're expanding into other countries in Europe right now. So we have enough to keep us busy before we come back to North America. So That's wonderful. You know, what an innovative company. You guys have been around for a long time. Happy 24th anniversary. You don't look a day over 23. Uh, Sangfor.com. It's www.sangfor.com. Folks, one of the most innovative cybersecurity companies in the world. Been doing this for a long time. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski. <laughs>